We're going to start a new series tonight um, out of the book of Deuteronomy, which uh, we're going to call Not by Bread Alone. And what I want to do today in this uh, introductory message is I, I want to answer two questions that hearing about this series may raise in many of you. So first, why the Old Testament? And second, why Deuteronomy? So that's the hope for our time together this morning. And my hope is that if, if I can do at least a decent job of answering those two questions, that you'll get as excited about this biblical book as I am coming into this fall, and, uh, and that we'll be able to dig in this together over the course of the next several months and grow and deepen and be sharpened as God's people. So that's my hope this morning. So first, why, why the Old Testament? And I want to start by saying, you know, what's behind that question for a lot of us, is the fact that we generally find the Old Testament long, it is long, so that's just a fact, long, um, confusing, maybe even at times a bit boring, and maybe even embarrassing because of some of the things and difficulties that are in it. Um, I do know for a fact that many of you often wrestle with the question, so is the God that's revealed in the Old Testament the same as the God that's revealed through Jesus in the New Testament? And how do those two things fit together? And that's a common uh, criticism of the Christian faith is that these are two separate deities that we see. And it's obviously a criticism that we think is very false, that the Testaments are, are incredibly unified. And I hope that our time together in this series will help us to see that more clearly. Plus, to those concerns, we might add on a more positive note, you might say to me, well, hey, Mark, aren't we Jesus people? And shouldn't we spend our time in the New Testament on this more familiar and more directly relevant territory for us as Christians. I mean, even Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you, shouldn't we just listen to what he says to us and not go back to you've heard that it was said? And, and so obviously, you know, I, I sympathize a little bit with that critique or question about why we would go to the Old Testament, um, because in a sense, they're generally right. We are, as the church, as the Christian church, we're New Testament people. We live in light of God's great revelation in Jesus at the cross and the resurrection, and we're, we're living now by the Spirit in the New Testament era. But that doesn't, that doesn't give us a reason or a right to ignore this big, long portion of God's Word. And, and here's why. So why the Old Testament? Here's why. The Old Testament is the backstory to Jesus. It's the backstory to Jesus, who is the culmination and the fulfillment of all that has gone before. And we really can't understand Jesus who he was, and what he came to do, unless we understand the story into which Jesus enters that's been going on for thousands of years already, and which Jesus fulfills. That's why in that great story that we read from Luke 24 at the end of Luke's gospel, The Road to Emmaus, that's why Jesus says to these two confused and sad disciples, he says, he says it says that um, we're told that beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, most of you will know, obviously, that when it says the scriptures, there was no New Testament when Jesus was walking on the day of his resurrection with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. So he's speaking about the Old Testament. He's speaking about the Hebrew Bible, these scriptures that the people of God, the Jews, had been delving into and studying for, for hundreds, if not thousands, of years. And then if you go on in the story of Luke 24, after the road to Emmaus, Jesus appears to his disciples and he says this to them. He says, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with, with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he, that is Jesus, 
opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Part of the gift that he gave to his earliest followers was the ability to come now through Jesus and the events of his death and resurrection and see the Old Testament in a new light, in a light in which it speaks of him and points to him. So here's what it's like when we neglect the Old Testament as the church, as God's people. It's like when you enter into a movie partway through, an experience that I imagine most of us have had at one point or another, maybe with our kids or our spouse or our friends. You you can enter into the movie, you know, in the living room, and you can catch on a little bit to the plot and the narrative and the, the tension. But because you've missed the first hour, you have a lot of questions as you're going through the rest of the movie, and your enjoyment of the whole story is diminished, and your understanding of the protagonist and the antagonist and the plot and the dramatic tension and all of those things is only so deep because you've missed the first hour of the show. But here's what's really key about this. Um, In the late moviegoer scenario, it's really no big deal that you miss the first hour of the story because the story itself is external to you and to your life. But in this case, this is our story. The scriptures tell a story from creation in Genesis 1 to new creation in the book of Revelation and the New Testament. It's a whole story. It's a comprehensive story. And we're living right in the middle of the story. We're actors in the drama. We're characters in the play. And our ability to participate in the drama, our ability to know what it is that our next move should be when there is no actual script for your life and the issues that you're dealing with today and tomorrow and this week, our ability to actually live faithfully in this story is diminished significantly when we've missed the lead-in, the backstory. It doesn't matter in the case of a movie, but if, if you would run with the, like, the fantasy scenario that in the movie situation that an hour, you're, you enter an hour late and then suddenly you're thrown into the movie. And all of a sudden your questions about plot and tension and characters and who am I and what am I doing suddenly take on a whole new dramatic kind of importance in your life. And that's our situation in the story of God and the world in which we're a part. If we lose the Old Testament, we lose a big part of who we are as God's people and we lose some gigantic understanding about humanity, about God, about his purposes and about what our lives are meant to be. And ultimately we lose great understanding about who Jesus is and what he's come to do. So here's the deal with the Old Testament. We may have to work a little bit harder. It's not the same as opening up the Gospel of John chapter 3 and reading and you're like, I know this. I understand how this applies to my life. In the Old Testament, you can open it up at times. You'll find like, I don't know what I'm reading and this is challenging. So we do have to dig a little bit harder as New Testament people when we come to the Old Testament. But my, uh, my claim is that as we do so, it will pay great dividends for us as a church, showing us the nature of Jesus, and helping us to play our part even more faithfully, knowing our identity and our part more clearly. So that's why the Old Testament. Now, why Deuteronomy? Because there are 39 books in the Old Testament, and I could have chosen any one of those books to get started this fall. So, so why Deuteronomy? Well, here's a couple of general thoughts on this. First, uh, as I was praying over the course of the summer, and this is just a personal answer, um, in early August, this book just kind of popped into my mind. And I thought, and Chris could attest to this because he asked me about the first time he came on staff at the beginning of August, I said, what are you thinking about the fall? And I said, well, I don't know for sure, but possibly Deuteronomy. 
So it's something that just where God led me in my prayers as I was thinking about this community. And I'll say more about that in just a second. But a second general reason is that Jesus himself actually quotes the book of Deuteronomy more than any other Old Testament text. So when Jesus is thinking about who he is as God's son, when he's thinking about what it means to be under the Father, he's meditating upon, chewing over the words of this book, Deuteronomy. But here's the main reason that uh, I want us to focus in on Deuteronomy this fall together. And it comes out clearly in the introduction to the book, which is our text for this morning, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. If you've got your Bibles, you can open up to that. And it's simply this, that Deuteronomy is a book that's focused on the Word. It's focused on the Word. Back for a moment to my prayers in the community, for the community, I I kept feeling a burden this summer that this year we needed as a community to jump deeply into the scriptures. That we needed to be a people who take the Bible seriously and really begin to dig into it more than just the kind of bits and pieces here and there. And as I shared that with Chris and Ryan on the staff, they resonated deeply and said, yeah, I've had a similar kind of thing going on in me. And as I shared it with some of you and some neighborhood group leaders, there was a similar kind of of things. So my sense was that the Holy Spirit was saying to our community, yeah, this is a, a good thing for us to do. Dig into the word together. And here's a book which begins with a Hebrew phrase which is translated, these are the words. Pointing us to the word as a place that gathers us, that defines us, and that shapes us. So this book and its focus on the word is great for us as a community in this, mo- in this moment that we're in. And you see this focus on the word in, in, we're just looking at the first five verses this morning. In verses 1, 3, and 5, it comes out. This is verse 1. These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness. Verse 3. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment to them. Verse 5, and we ended in a funny place with uh, Catherine just saying, saying, and then we said the word of the Lord. But we ended there on purpose. This is what it says in verse 5. Beyond the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to explain this law, this Torah, this instruction, saying. So in the first five verses, three of them speak or write about Moses speaking the words that God has given to him for the people. And right off the bat in the book of Deuteronomy, we're seeing that the word is the focus. And the book itself is structured around three great speeches from Moses. Chapters 1 through 4, chapters 5 through 28, and chapters 29 and 30. These are three discourses, three speeches coming from Moses, God's prophet and leader of his people, the one who spoke with God face to face, the one whose face was radiant with the glory of God, the one who spoke authoritatively on God's behalf, now speaking to the assembled and gathered community, the word of God, recapitulating, if you will, the word that has come in the story leading up to this point. So what does the word include, this this word, this Torah? It really includes... two different components, and we see both of them in the book of Deuteronomy. First, it includes instruction and exhortation, a passionate plea. And this book is full of of passion. It's full of, of heart language, emotional language, trying to stir up 
the people of God at this significant moment, which we'll look at in just a second, in their history. To be a people of the word. A people who dig deep into the word. So it's instruction and exhortation. But it's also, secondly, regulations. Or we'd, we'd say laws. Chapters 12 through 26 of the book of Deuteronomy are simply the law code that regulate the life of God's people when they enter the land. That's what laws do. They regulate society. They put boundaries around the weak and and curb the power of the strong. And we'll see that Deuteronomy's laws are incredibly humanitarian. This is the most humanitarian book in the entire Old Testament. A great concern for the rights of the destitute and the downcast. Chapter 5, Moses repeats the words that God spoke on Mount Sinai, the, the great, the Ten Commandments, or the Ten Words in Hebrew. Chapter 6, he says, the summary of this is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then chapters 12 through 26, this law code, that gives us a beautiful picture of human life flourishing under the kingship of Yahweh, Israel's God. A picture that's full of of justice, as I mentioned just a moment ago. And anytime you study the laws of God, you're studying also something that reveals the heart and the character of who God is. In other words, as we look at these stipulations and regulations, and it'll take us about eight or nine weeks to get to that point, and we won't spend too long in the law code, but we'll spend a number of weeks there we see something about the heart of our Father and what His heart is for His people and what His heart is for all humanity. Encoded, if you will, in these regulations. And we'll see that He's a holy God. He's a compassionate Father. He's a loving and just King. And we'll be compelled as we study His law to draw near to Him as His children. Now, the focus in Deuteronomy on the word is urgent. And the second feature of of this introductory text, these five verses that I want to finish with, is is the emphasis upon geography. Catherine did a great job of reading these challenging words, uh, but which detail some of the places that Israel has come from and also tell us where Israel currently is in their journey. And they're in a special place. They're in the valley of, uh, or in the Arabah, opposite Suf, and so on and so forth. But they're in the plains of Moab. And there's a map here that I want you to see just to kind of locate where they are as God's people. So if you see where the red line ends in the kingdom of Sion, that's where they are, right on the verge of the Jordan River. And as we know, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, uh, maybe we don't, but Moses dies and Joshua takes over. And then the book of, um, of Joshua begins and the people cross the Jordan and go in to the promised land. So here's the people of God having journeyed out of Egypt. And, the, and you get the mention of Horeb, which is their word for Sinai in verse 2. They've journeyed out of that place by the grace and mighty hand of God. They've been rescued from slavery. They've wandered through the wilderness for 40 years. And we get that indication here as well. In the 40th year, verse 3, on the first day of the 11th month. And then they've come around the Dead Sea. And they've gone through the kingdom of Og. And then Sion. And they've defeated those kingdoms. And now they sit perched on this moment for them. It's a huge moment. 
ready to enter into all the promises that God has granted to them and to their fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give you this land. And so Moses, as a father would, when his children are about to go into a new situation, just this last week, Chloe started school, um, and she's going to a big public school with 2,000 students in it and coming out of a smaller environment that was much more protective. And so you can imagine that what Moses is doing with the people of God in Deuteronomy Mandy and I were doing with Chloe on Monday night this last week of saying, Chloe, know who you are. You're going to encounter all kinds of new cultures, new challenges, new difficulties. And as you do so, hold fast to your identity as a child of God. And hold fast to his word, which is your life and your hope. That's exactly what Deuteronomy is doing. And that's why it brings this kind of urgency to the lives of God's people. The key, the key point is, how are you going to live when you cross the Jordan into the promised land? Are you going to be seduced by the gods of the culture that you're encountering? Or are you going to walk faithfully with me, being people of my word? In Deuteronomy 8, what we're taking the title of the series from is this well-known passage where Moses says, you know, that you wandered around in the wilderness so that you would learn that man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Interestingly, in his own moment of stepping into new territory, Jesus, the carpenter's son, the carpenter, we knew him as God's son, but he was not known to the world as that just yet. And he, he receives at his baptism the anointing of the Spirit, and God's voice says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. He's about to step into the vocational calling that he has, and he goes out into the wilderness to be tried and tempted by the devil. And at the end of the 40 days, we read this passage last week in our worship, and Sam didn't know that we were going here this week. At the end of those 40 days, Jesus is tempted, and Satan says, command these stones to to be turned into bread. He had not eaten for 40 days. He was starving. And that's when Jesus takes this moment to say, you know, as I was reflecting, as I was fasting and praying, and I was deeply meditating on the word of my Father to understand my identity as his Son." And I was working through the book of Deuteronomy in my mind. Then he speaks that verse from Deuteronomy 8.3 back to the devil and says, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word, Matthew 4.4, that proceeds from the mouth of God. And Jesus is saying, as I'm about to step across my own Jordan, I'm about to step into my new situation. I'm going to live by this word. My Messiahship, my vocation as God's son is going to be shaped by this word. Now, we live in Boston. Now, you all, all of you might not be in moments of huge transition, but I bet a vast majority of you are, especially this time of year. This is a city of transition and change. Some of you are starting new programs and new degrees. Some of you have got new jobs. Some of you have new children. Some of you have new houses. There's a lot of new things that go on. We're always a people in transition. And even when we're not changing, our culture is changing all the time. And so we're encountering new challenges, new New issues to face. And this is the question that Deuteronomy leaves us with. As you step into those new things, will you love my word? God is saying. Will you be anchored in my word? Will you recognize that you don't live by your jobs and your families and your meals 
and your water alone. But you live by me. You're constituted by me. You've been won over by me. You've been rescued and redeemed at Sinai from Egypt, from the death and slavery to sin that we were all in. And you've been brought to this place by my grace. Now, will you, as you step into the next stage of your journey, of your life, will you be a people who live not by bread alone, but by my word? Underneath Jesus, who is ultimately God's word who himself lived under his Father's word. And my prayer as we step into this as a community, and you have daily lectionaries now in your hand, and I'll say more about those in a moment, but as we begin to dig into this book and into the broader scriptures together, that we will be a people who are shaped by this main message of Deuteronomy. A people who cling to God's word and who are shaped by his word. Let's pray. Almighty God, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon this church family. Lord, that you would make your word to us like it was to Ezekiel, sweeter than honey in his mouth as he ate it. God, that you would stir up in us, whether it's been dry and long and hard for us to ever open the Bible, whether we're frustrated by confusion or being disoriented, Lord, we pray that you would grow us as a people who heed your word, who dig into your word. And as we look at Moses pleading with the people of God on the banks of the Jordan, God, we pray that you would plead as well with us. And as we learn from this book, that you would teach us what it means to be shaped by and formed by and to live by your word. Grow in us an appetite and a hunger, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.